Hello, lovely listener. I'm your host, Lindsay, and you're listening to Two Cents Podcast, your Audible anthology. As this is a series, we shall be analysing another section of Walt Whitman's Song of Myself, as recited by Guy Melinda. Without further ado, cue the intro. Section 8 The little one sleeps in its cradle. I lift the gauze and look a long time and silently brush away flies with my hand. The youngster and the red-faced girl turn aside up the bushy hill. I peeringly view them from the top. The suicide sprawls on the bloody floor of the bedroom. I witness the corpse with its dabbled hair. I note where the pistol has fallen. The blab of the pave, tires of carts, slough of boot soles, talk of the promenaders, the heavy omnibus, the driver with his interrogating thumb, the clank of the shod horses on the granite floor, the snow sleighs, clinking, shouted jokes, pelts of snowballs, the hurrahs for popular favourites, the fury of roused mobs, the flap of the curtained litter, a sick man inside born to the hospital, the meeting of enemies, the sudden oath, the blows and fall, the excited crowd, the policeman with his star quickly working his passage to the centre of the crowd, the impassive stones that receive and return so many echoes, what groans of overfed or half-starved who fall sunstruck or in fits, what exclamations of women taken suddenly, who hurry home and give birth to babes. What living and buried speech is always vibrating here. What howls restrained by decorum. Arrests of criminals, slights, adulterous offers made, acceptances, rejections with convex lips. I mind them, or the show or resonance of them. I come and I depart. Section 8 begins with an observation of a baby sleeping in its cradle. The poet is not recalling his observations. Instead, he is discussing them in the present tense. He approaches the cradle and gently lifts the gauze to shoo away flies. In this scene, he is overlooking a sleeping infant. Next, he observes a young couple having sex by a bushy hill. Quote, the youngster and the red-faced girl that he peeringly views from the top, similar to how he viewed the infant. Thereafter, the poet observes the scene of a suicide, describing the corpse and the position of the pistol. So we begin with these three scenes. Could they be related? Maybe the infant was one born out of wedlock and is the child of the youngster and the red-faced girl. Then out of shame, one of them, presumably the girl, took their own life. Or perhaps these scenes describe phases of life. The helplessness of infancy, the passion of youth, and the conflict of ageing. Right after describing the macabre scene, which had a heaviness to it, the poet switches to a bustling urban scene. We have transitioned from noting where the pistol fell to, quote, the blab of the pavement, tires of carts, slough of boot soles, 
and talk of the promenaders or pedestrians, which takes us back to questioning the scenes at the beginning of the poem. Are they just completely random and merely show how all the joy and horror that happens is just a part of life? And while they take place, so does the mindless blab of the pavement, tires of carts, and so on. The poet goes on describing all the sounds and sights of the cityscape in a way that makes their bustle symphonic. To run through the descriptions, we are told of drivers with interrogating thumbs as they handle their reins, the clank of shod horses on the granite floor, shouted jokes, hurrahs for popular favourites, and the fury of an inflamed mob, the flap of a curtained litter, and a sick man in a hospital. There's also a description of what seems to be a street fight. Quote, the meeting of enemies, the sudden oath, the blows and fall, the excited crowd, the policeman with his star quickly working his passage to the centre of the crowd. The commotion continues into the exclamations of women taken suddenly who hurry home and give birth to babes. The poet then says, What living and buried speech is always vibrating here? What howls restrained by decorum? Let's analyse that first part. What living and buried speech is always vibrating here? Whitman is making a remark about the vibrancy of the city. So much is happening all at once, presumably in such close space. Hence, living and buried speech is always vibrating here. The living and buried could, be re could refer to the cycle of news or events, one happening after the other, each headline kept alive for some time, then buried under the oncoming wave of events. The second part reads, What howls restrained by decorum? This could refer to the emotions of the city dwellers, whether they be in despair or pain, and how they are restrained by decorum or the local customs. So while there is much commotion happening and much could be expressed about it, these howls or expressions are restrained, held back for the sake of convention. But I mean, fitting for the late 19th century. The section ends with Whitman describing all the wrong and questionable things around him. Quote, Arrests of criminals, slights, adulterous offers made, acceptances and rejections with convex lips. He minds all these things, the good and the bad, ranging from the beginning of the poem, all these things that he observed. He minds them all, unperturbed, and departs. Thank you for listening to this segment. I appreciate you giving your time. If this is your first listen, I hope this was impressionable enough for you to join me again for another episode. If you're returning, your loyalty is unmatched and received with much gratitude. As always, my email is open for any further discussion on a topic, episode suggestions and even submissions. Till next time.